Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. My name's Kyle, I'm our student pastor, and uh, I didn't mention it last week, but our pastor Trent, he is not here. Uh, he's on sabbatical, and so he's taking, he took uh, last week and in the next couple weeks uh, to rest as a part of his um, sabbatical time that he had. This is the, the last of his 12 weeks of his sabbatical. So um, we started a series called Rhythm uh, that we're talking about life with God for the world. And um, the picture that we talked about last week uh, was that uh, we all have to understand that just as we enter into the kingdom through the gospel, we walk around the kingdom through the gospel. And the gospel is simply that we uh, have sin that separates us from God and that there's nothing that we can do to bridge that gap of separation. It's something that we caused and uh, the only way to bridge that gap is what Jesus has done for us in dying in our place on the cross. And belief and trust in him is what bridges that gap. And that is the essence of the gospel. And we remember that, um, or we, we understand that as we enter into the kingdom and salvation. But we walk around the kingdom, our, our life as followers of Jesus our constant reminders that it's not anything that we do that earns God's favor. It's everything that he's already done for us, right? So in all the things, all the practices that we're going to talk about in this life with God for the world are not practices that earn favor that we, that we do in order to earn favor with God. They're practices that we do to place ourselves in the presence of God so that he might transform us to be more and more like him. And so these practices are basically rhythms that we, put, that we put in our life to keep us on the right path, keep us where we need to be so that God can move in us. Uh, so um, I'm going to speak quickly because we have a lot to cover and not a whole lot of time. Uh, so our, our church partners with an organization called Galveston Urban Ministries uh, down on the island, GUM for short. And uh, we took a trip in June and we'll take another one in August. Uh, if you are interested in being a part of that trip in August, short uh, advertisement, we do need another adult man. So men in the church, uh, maybe think about, as I'm talking about the story, think about if you can see yourself doing something like this. So in June, uh, we always have different projects that we're working on. And one of the projects that they asked us to work on is they had purchased a few houses and one of the houses needed sheetrock put in it. And they're like, hey, Kyle, I hear that you're kind of good at putting sheetrock in. And I was like, yeah, I was essentially a contractor for the next, for the last six months after Harvey. I got really, really good at putting in sheetrock. And it's kind of a funny thing and a cool God moment. But uh, they're like, hey, we would love for you to kind of take some of your people that are coming with you and, and, and do and install some sheetrock in this home because we trust you. And I was like, okay, cool. Uh, in order to do this, we need a couple things, right? The first thing that we need are the right materials. Uh, there's nothing worse than showing up to a work site thinking that you're going to hang a hundred sheets of sheetrock over this week and then getting there and there's no sheetrock to put up on the walls. Then you have to spend a couple hours going to Home Depot, picking it out, picking it out putting it on the, all these kinds of things. So we need the right materials. So make sure the materials are there. And then we need the right tools. I need uh, razor blades. I need tape measures. I need uh, 
T-squares so that we can uh, make straight cuts. I need, um, I need drills and screws and all these kinds of things. Uh, and so I was like, hey, make sure we have those things in order for us to do that. And then uh, once we have all those things together, then we can assemble a team and do some training. So we show up. They had most of those things. The first 30 minutes of our time were spent like looking through a big shed trying to find screws because we can, we can have cut all the sheetrock that we want, but if we can't put it on the wall, it really doesn't do us a whole lot of good. So we found some screws and they went and bought some more screws. And so I had a team of six people, all right? And uh, I'm not like an expert sheetrocker, but I have done enough training of people that I know how to teach people how to do sheetrock. And so I got them all, hey, come over here. This is how we're going to do it, okay? We have the, all the sheetrock, we have the walls. Hey, these boards are studs. And it, the first thing you need to do is you need to measure to see how far this piece of sheetrock is and where you need to cut it. And so, uh, you know, pro tip, measure twice, cut once. Uh, and so show them how to measure, show them how to, to measure it out on the sheetrock and cut it, uh, break the sheetrock off, show them how to put it up on the wall, drill it in, all these kinds of things. Uh, and we started uh, by asking, hey, has anyone ever put sheetrock up? And a couple of people like, oh, yeah, I've done it before. And so, All right, cool, we want you to be on the team. And is anyone interested in putting sheetrock up? And there's like a couple of people that raised their hands like, all right, you can come be a part of the team. And so we're measuring this out, and I'm like, hey, do you guys remember this? Have you done it? They're like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember this a little bit. Uh, but no one was an expert at that point. So we got them, and I'm like, all right, you two go in this room. You two go in this room. You two go in this room. I've given you the fundamentals that you need to, in order to start, uh, there's going to be some places where you're going to need some help. But before we get to like advanced sheetrock theory, which is really funny to even use as a phrase, uh, I want you to just learn how to do it up on a, like a blank wall. And so they started working in about 15 minutes. Hey, Kyle, come over here. I need some help. I go in there. They're like, hey, this is, doesn't fit. I was like, well, how many times did you measure? They're like, once. I was like, measure twice cut once, start over, right? And they, okay, once they got the hang of it, they started, okay, they, all right, how do I use this drill? Show them how to use the drill, right? And the more they did it, the better they got at it. And then they would come to the dreaded outlet, right? Those of you that have ever put sheetrock on, you're like, you pick the wall that doesn't have an outlet first, right? Because no one wants to do the outlets. And one of our teams had uh, the utility closet. So they had like 19 different holes on this one board. And so we're talking, we're showing them like this is more advanced, right? And so they've done a couple walls. They've got the hang of it. They got some rhythm down. And I show them how to measure these things. And they spent like the rest of the day working on this one piece of sheetrock, right? They cut all the holes. They do all the outlets, all this kind of stuff. And then there's like this moment of truth, right? It's like the, Clark, I call it the Clark Griswold moment, you know, and family uh, vacation where he's like putting the things together, like I hope this works. So they get it and put it up on the wall. Fits like a glove, and they're like, "Woohoo!" They're like, "Take my picture." They like autographed it, like they're professionals now. Like, take their picture in front of it. It was this really, really cool moment. And this is this is what I want you to see as it pertains to um, these practices that we're talking about today. These inward practices. It doesn't matter if you've never done this before, or if you've done this before but you're kind of rusty at it, or you would say like, "I'm really good at this." We all have the space in our life to take one step forward in these inward practices. We all have the space to take one step forward. And so, as we're thinking through this, as we're looking at the scriptures, as we're uh, walking through these things, this is all I want you to see is, where can I take one step forward? All right, where can I take one step forward? 
so Luke chapter 11 is where we're going to be at. Uh, Luke chapter 11, if you don't have a Bible, there's some on the back wall, uh, on the back sound booth, or you can follow along in the Bible app. Uh, Luke chapter 11 is where we're at, uh, and it starts off like this. Uh, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which one of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he is uh, a friend, yet because of your impotence or your uh, uh, annoying annoying nature of knocking and knocking and knocking, right? Because of your persistence, he will rise up and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and when he knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, or asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit for those who ask him? If you jump ahead uh, to, uh, to verse 21, he says, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own place, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him, and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he, he trusted and divides his spoils. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And when an unclean spirit goes out of a person, it passes over the waterless places seeking rest and finds none. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put to order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. And he said these things. And a woman of the crowd raises her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that you nursed. And he said, But Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. I want us to look at three different inward practices this morning uh, that I, I believe can really help shape our life with God. Um, And as it shapes our life with God, it will shape the way we interact with the world around us. The first one um, is uh, what we looked at very end in verse 28, um, is biblical intake. And biblical intake is simply engaging yourself with the Word of God. Right? There's a lot of really great books out there that are um, people's interpretation of the Word of God, Bible studies that are people's interpretations of those. Those are all really, really great and great resources. But it does not take place of the Word of God. So biblical intake is, uh, is engaging yourself with the Word of God. And there's three primary ways that we, um, we see this happen. The first one is hearing God's Word which is what you're doing right here. Good job. You're already 
practicing biblical intake. So hearing God's word, uh, we see a bunch of different passages of scripture. Um, I'll read one and then uh, Toby's going to show a couple behind me. The first one's from Romans chapter 10. It says, for faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God. And we see a passage in 1 Timothy and, in, and then this passage in Luke 28, 11, 28. Uh, but, what, but what I want you to hear in this is this. Um, one way of biblical intake, a good way, uh, is hearing God's word. Which means that you find a New Testament church that faithfully preaches the word of God faithfully preaches the Word of God, that holds up the Bible and preaches from the Bible. Not, hey, here's my thoughts on life, but here's the Scripture, and this is what God says how to do life. Uh, We have a phrase that we use that we got from a man called Dallas Willard, that Jesus has the best answers to the most important questions of life. And those answers are found in the Word of God. And so place yourself and your family in a, a place that preaches the Word of God. And that means not just showing up kind of like dead tired from the night before, trying not to fall asleep, but that means showing up, hearing God's Word, and actively listening, actively uh, taking notes, actively thinking through uh, what God is saying through whoever's speaking up here actively listening. So hearing God's word is one way that you can have biblical intake, but not the only way. The second one would be reading God's word. Uh, 2 Timothy uh, 3.16 says that, uh, that the scripture, that all scripture is breathed out by God. That's breathed out by God. And it's, it's profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness. Two times in the Bible uh, that God talks about breathing Genesis, he breathes life into our bodies. Second Timothy, he, brings, he breathes life into the Word of God. Those are both important moments for us to think about. And so reading the Scriptures is really, really important. Um, and so uh, if you uh, are familiar with uh, Jesus' um, interaction with uh, some of the religious people today in, in Matthew chapter 12, like four times he says, haven't you read blah, 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 blah. Haven't you read blah, blah, blah. Haven't you read blah. Like there's this assumption that the people of God will be reading God's word regularly, right? And so for those of you that that's not maybe a practice, that is completely fine. Again, the, all we're saying today, we're taking steps, right? We're taking steps. None of us are perfect at this. We're all taking a step. And so uh, some things that you can do is find a time, that you can start doing this, right? Find a plan. Uh, some of us need a plan. Some of us need a little bit of structure. Like, hey, I read these verses every day, or, or, or I'm reading through this passage of Scripture, or something along those lines, right? If you're a Bible app user, uh, there's tons of plans on that. Uh, just find a plan and stick to it, right? Find a plan, and then, and then finally just read. I mean, you can find a place, you can find a plan, but reading God's Word implies reading. All right, so just do that. Uh, it would be really helpful. And then the third, uh, third way of biblical intake, hearing God's Word, reading God's Word, and then studying God's Word. Um, in the book of Ezra, chapter 7, uh, it says this. Ezra 7, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statues and rules in Israel. 
And then you see um, uh, in Deuteronomy, uh, this passage of Scripture, you throw Deuteronomy up there. Uh, this is this command uh, that the Lord saying. It's like, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your hearts and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be like frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you're sitting in your house, and when you're walking, by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That you are studying God's word. And, and, and ways that we study God's word uh, are uh, kind of like the flow would be repetition, right? You see this in Deuteronomy, like you, you, you write these, you say these, you teach these, you repeat these, re- repetition. And then, um, then you begin to concentrate on some of the words, right? You repeat them over and over. You read them over and over. Concentrate on them. And then you begin to comprehend them, right? Okay, begin to think through these. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, so I've uh, repeated them. I'm con- I've concentrated on them. I began to comprehend, comprehend what this is talking about. And then we begin to reflect on these things. Uh, I, as I was reading and studying for this, uh, one, of, one of the writers, I don't even remember who, he said this, and it was kind of like a like a comment, like an off comment. And I thought, this is hilarious, but so true. He said the main difference between Bible reading and Bible study, a pen and paper. That's a big difference. There's times where we just need to read the Word of God and not try to make more of it than it really is. Just read it, invest it into our hearts. And then there's times where we need to read it, think about it, write out what God's saying to you through this, right? Uh, and we need to be able to do all of these kinds of things. So uh, the three uh, Bible intake methods are hearing God's Word, reading God's Word, and studying God's Word, all right? And so the things that we wanted uh, to do through this series is to give you some practical application for how you can do this for an individual, uh, individually for yourself, for your family, um, and, and for your church, and for us as a church. And when I say family, uh, I want you to understand um, this might mean mom, dad, and your kids. It might mean husband and wife who don't have kids. It might mean grandma, granddad, and your grandkids. It, families look so different, uh, but you can find a way to apply this concept to your family. And so uh, as an individual, um, one of the things that you could do is just spend time daily with the, with the Bible and a pen, writing, underlining, thinking through these kinds of things. Um, you, you can find a plan and find a place that you can start doing this at. Like, just start, right? Take that step. Uh, as your family, uh, what would it look like for you to read God's Word as a family? Sometimes that might be, uh, like, Rowan has this little kid's Bible. And, like, seriously, I'm reading these Bible stories to her, and I'm like, that's good. The way they said that, that was really helpful. I hadn't thought about it like that. And so read, maybe if it's, maybe it's like, man, I'm not really feeling comfortable about, man, just read through the Bible with the kids' Bible, man. Just do something investing into your family. Um, or what would it look like for you to, to read with your spouse? One of the things I love to do as a pastor is weddings. And part of my premarital counseling plan for all couples is, I uh, give them homework every session. And one of the bits of homework is, or multiple times homework is, hey, I want you to read through this passage of Scripture multiple times over the next week. And then I want you to pull out things and discuss them with your fiancé. Because I want you to learn to have conversations about God's Word with each other prior to you getting married so that through your marriage, that can be kind of a central aspect of 
who you are together. So what would it look like for you to read with your spouse? Uh, or as a family, uh, like what would it look like for you to faithfully go to church and hear God's word as kind of like the pinnacle of the service? Worship is awesome, but the, the biggest difference between uh, what makes us who we are and other religions is the word of God right? And so like the word, the spoken word of God is the pinnacle of the Christian worship service. Uh, You think about it, uh, even in like the synagogue, they would read, just read sections of scripture together. So what would it look like for you and your family to come and faithfully, actively listen to you train your kids, training your kids to to listen, to take notes, to engage the word of God? That's why uh, during the summer, we don't have jam for all of our kids. That's why uh, we want to have this space where moms and dads, it might be a little bit more difficult, but you're, you have your younger ones next to you and you're showing them what it looks like to actively listen. You're helping them learn to actively listen to the Word of God. So biblical intake is, is the first thing. Um, the next one that I want us to see is meditation. And, and this is sometimes... People are weirded out by that. But meditation is just simply creating emotional and spiritual space that allows God to construct an inner sanctuary in your heart. We see uh, in this passage, we see this picture that Jesus says of a, of a, a man getting healed from uh, like, like a spirit that was living with him, an evil spirit that was living with him. And he emptied out the spirit. Jesus emptied out the spirit, but the man never filled himself back up. And the spirit, so the spirit came back. And filled him up, and even more so. And so, what I want us to see is through meditation, what we're doing is we're heightening our ability to hear God's voice and His words. Um, that uh, it gives us this uh, a heightened ability to hear God's voice, and that uh, we in the in the Old Testament, fifty-eight times it uses this phrase uh, meditation. 58 times in different ways, talk about listening to God's word, reflecting on God's works, rehearsing God's deeds, thinking uh, deeply on God's laws. Um, there's a bunch of passages of scripture. We're going to throw a couple up there. He says, Isaac, he meditated, Genesis 24. The beginning of Psalms starts with, uh, and on his law, he meditates day and night. Uh, Psalm 68, is it? 63, uh, and meditate. And he watches into the night. In Psalm 119, it talks about uh, meditating on the promises of God. Like over and over, the Bible just talks about this. The people of God have constantly meditated on the word uh, and God's deeds and these kinds of things. And so what I want you to see is uh, meditation uh, in Eastern world. The Eastern world of meditation is kind of emptying your mind. Right? This state of nirvana of being empty. But Christian meditation is not that. Christian meditation does involve emptying our mind, but that is not all it involves. It involves emptying our mind from what's happening outside of what God is doing and focusing our eyes and filling it with Christ. So we empty uh, our mind in order to fill it with Christ. And uh, the meditation is the missing link between Bible intake and prayer. So often we open up God's word and we might read it. And then we close God's word and we pray. And it's almost like compartmentalized in our life. And these practices, uh, the practice of meditation can really help 
become a, a, a bridge between your Bible reading and your praying to God because you begin to read the scriptures, you begin to think about the scriptures deeply, allow the scriptures to, to give you a picture or an image to think about uh, deeply, uh, to think deeply about God, and then you begin to use that picture that God's given you from the scriptures to pray to God. Uh, and, and so uh, that's how meditation can sometimes be this missing link. Um, and, and we see this uh, change in our behavior as a result of an encounter with God. That's what we call transformation, right? We're in the presence of God. We're thinking deeply upon the presence of God. And he begins to change us into the kind of person he wants us to be, not the kind of person we think he wants us to be. There's a big difference. Uh, so here's some practical ways that you can apply this to your life uh, individually and in your family and the church. Uh, first, uh, what would it look like for you to meditate on a passage of Scripture? Just simply read a passage of Scripture and to think, uh, focus your mind solely on that passage. And it might feel odd at first, but using the words of God to fix your eyes on God. Um, or what would it look like for you to just um, purposefully pause for a couple of minutes each day? Not to empty only your mind, but to empty it so that you can fill it with Christ. Uh, for your family, uh, what would it look like for you to go outside or bring outside in and fix your mind as a family on an aspect of God's creation and become overwhelmed with how good of a God we serve? You're looking at a flower and you begin to like look deeply upon this flower and let your kid's imagination run wild because that's what God has given them an imagination. We can use it for the glory of God. Begin to look at that and see like how um, micro, like the micro aspect of how intricate all of these things are and to think about God creating every aspect of this flower and yet he wants to have a relationship with us. Or how about as a family, you think about a life event that's happened. And then you begin to talk as a family and think as a family of how God had orchestrated all of the things around that life event for this purpose to happen in your family. So like for me, uh, our adoption of our daughter. Like thinking deeply upon how God has orchestrated every aspect of things that may, maybe we didn't even see happening and how they come around to this beautiful bow that God makes uh, in, in our life. But thinking deeply upon those kinds of things as a family. Or uh, as a church, uh, us taking moments to focus our, our collective minds on the same thing, like we did earlier in the, in the service. Or um, uh, after the sermon, giving you space to process all of the hearing of God's word so that you can begin to use it in your own life. So you have biblical intake, you have meditation, and the last thing that we're going to look at is prayer. Um, and prayer is simply talking with God about what you're doing together. Um, prayer, we pay attention to God, we open ourselves to His work, and we see our life turn outward towards God uh, and His name and His kingdom and His world. And so as, as you think about praying, um, it is the central practice of our life with God. And you begin to look at all the practices that we're going to talk about throughout the series. And all of these are, just, are either preparation for, uh, a means of, or an accompaniment to prayer. The prayer is key. Prayer, um, and, and there's two things I want you to see about prayer. The first thing is prayer, it's expected from us, or expected from those 
of us who call ourselves Christians. Prayer is expected, expected by Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 6, Jesus is talking about prayer four times. He says, when you pray. That is an expectation statement. When you pray, do this. When you pray, do this. Uh, Luke 18, uh, Jesus says, uh, for us to always pray. Uh, in the New Testament, Colossians uh, tells us that we're supposed to continually pray, or, or, or devote ourselves to prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it talks about praying without ceasing or pray continuously. Like there is this expectation that the people of God will be people who pray, that seek out to God. But prayer is not only expected, prayer is also learned. And I think this is an aspect that so many of us as followers of Jesus are not comfortable with. But prayer is learned. Uh, you, you think about Luke, I mean, this passage that we're looking at right here, Luke uh, chapter 11, his disciples say, teach us to pray. And, and earlier in the story, in the way that Mark tells it, is uh, that Jesus was off praying and that all the disciples were looking for them and they kind of frantically found like, Jesus, we've been looking all over for you. He's like, okay, I was praying. And so the disciples see this as a model in Jesus. And they say, Jesus, teach us to pray as John's disciples taught him to pray. Um, or, um, so prayer is, prayer is learned from Jesus. You see the disciples seeing that. But it's also learned from others around us. Like, I think it's, it's really good for us to pray with other people. Um, and not to, not to pray like, Okay, hey, let's see if we can one-up one another and how good we are at praying, right? Because that sometimes can happen, unfortunately. But to pray with other people and begin to see how they pray and learn how they pray. You see uh, this happening uh, where you can, hey, well, hey, tell me about like where you pray and, and what time you pray and kind of this rhythms that you have in your prayer life, learning those things from different people. Or looking at like one of the books talks about that I was reading, talks about simple prayer. And this is the, the concept of simple prayer. Is there things that you think about all day long? Things that are rolling around here. Maybe they're pieces of anxiety, pieces of untrust or whatever. Uh, it says, just begin to pray those, to, give those to God. Say those things to God. Uh, prayer is learned as we interact with uh, him, as we interact with other people who are interacting with him. We can learn these kinds of things because prayer is simply a relationship. Oftentimes, people struggle to pray because they feel like in prayer, they're trying to manipulate God. Uh, like, oh, all I do is ask God to do all these different kinds of things for us. And uh, Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, he says this, we're not trying to manipulate God and tell him what to do. Quite the opposite. We're asking God to tell us what to do. When we pray in that relationship, when we're in the presence of God, no matter how kind of narcissistic we might try to be, when the longer we're in the presence of God, the more likely we are to become like God. So here's three points of application for you. As an individual, what would it look like for you to find a time and a place so that you might be able to uh, make that moment, that place sacred? This is, hey, I meet with the Lord every morning at the coffee table, at my, at, my, at my kitchen table. 
I have a cup of coffee, I have the Bible open, and I spend time meeting with God. And in the mornings, that, that space is sacred. Or um, uh, what would it look like for you to make like a list um, to jumpstart you in your prayer life? Like as the day comes up, you, you write things that you want to say to God. Because some of us might struggle. Some of us might struggle like, man, God, I can pray for five minutes, but after that, like I got nothing. I'll, just, I'll say the same prayer again. I'll pray over the same things again. But how do people pray for hours and hours? And hours? Make a list. Start using those things to jumpstart you in your list. Or maybe if you struggle, use the scripture to pray. Just like use the, the, a passage of scripture and just pray through those things. Or as a family, uh, the, the New Testament church used to recite the Lord's Prayer three times a day. And some of you might like say, like, isn't that something that like people who like don't know God, they just memorize this prayer to say before a football game or something? Maybe. Uh, but there is something about Luke 11 uh, when Jesus says, when you pray, say this. And he gives us what to say in our prayer. What would it look like for you and your family to pray the Lord's Prayer together? Uh, to teach your kids to, to, that God's name is holy and that he provides our daily bread. That repetition begins to hide these things in their hearts. Um, or just giving it a shot, praying for stuff other than your food. That's, pray for your food. That's a good habit to have. But don't just pray for your food. Or, um, or the last thing about your family that I want you to say uh, is moms and dads, grand, grandma, granddad, like when you're praying with your kids, we're training them to pray, don't let it be boring. All right? That's the worst thing that we can do for young people is to make them dread. Like, oh, I have to formalize this prayer. I have to talk to God. Like he's some sort of judge and I have to say the right words. If I don't say it correctly, he's not going to hear me. Or it's overly serious. Like... You don't have to like play a game with it, but don't make it boring. We're talking to our dad here. We're talking to our dad here. Uh, John Ortberg tells this story. It's this beautiful story of uh, a dad and his toddler shopping. And the toddler was misbehaving, and he could not get him to act right. And so he finally picks his, his son up and begins to sing to him, I love you. I, we did this in our house all the time, make up songs. I love you. I love the way you smile. I love being your dad. And he's just seeing these, he's beginning to sing the song over his son. Uh, and the song did something that nothing else could do. It calmed his, his kid's heart and his spirit. And he finally puts him in the car seat. And the, and the son says this, sing it again, dad. Sing it again. And that's what we're doing. We're cultivating this sing-it-again attitude in the hearts of ourselves, in the hearts of our family, in the heart of our church, that we desperately desire to be in the presence of God because there we can find comfort and peace and wholeness. So yes, we want to pray as a church. We have a prayer meeting on Wednesday nights we'd love for you to be a part of. We read the Bible, we intake the Bible, we think about the things, the words of God, and then we say these things to God and, and, and have this communication, this relationship with Him. These are these rhythms that we have. And none of these things put us in a better relationship with God. It just places us before Him 
so that he might transform us. That is the gospel. It's already been done through the cross. We just place ourselves at the foot of the cross and allow God to transform our lives. So what would it look like for you to take a step this week? Bible intake, meditation, and prayer. So we're going to close like this. I'm not going to have a song. Uh, we're just going to have a moment where you can still your heart, where you can still yourself, and you can think about what God wants to do in you. So I, I know people want to get their kids and stuff, but let's just pause right now for a few moments and begin to ask yourself this. What, how can I take a step this week in prayer, in meditation, and in Bible intake? What would that look like for you? What would that look like for you to do with your family? Lord Jesus, we don't want to just be really good at practices, but we want to utilize these practices to place us before the throne of the living God, the creator of all things, and allow you to make us into the men and women that you want us to be. So as we open your word, as we think deeply on your word, and as we pray and speak to you, our heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that the hearts of the men and women in this room will say, sing it again, because they long to be in the presence of He who holds all things together. Lord, thank You for moving in us. Thank You that it's not, not the things that we do that make us right. It's the thing that You already did for us on the cross. And we just believe and trust in You and get to experience all of this new life together. So Lord, as a church, we want to take a step individually and corporately in this process. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.